0: Save
1: the Queen. Hello and welcome to Pod Save the Queen. I'm Zoe Forsey, your host this week, and I'm joined, as ever, by a slightly tired, a little bit jet-lagged Russell Myers. Hi, Russell. How are you?
0: I'm very well. I've just stopped screaming into a pillow because this is the
1: second
0: <laughs> second time we have rec- started recording because producer Dan, after more than two hundred shows. Uh, after (laughs) such a sterling job every week and that we wanted to get through the show without any mishaps because you are still suffering from your illness. I'm a little bit jet-lagged, but he forgot to press record, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) So here we are. We are going to do... Uh, an absolutely perfect show, I'm sure, because we are going to give this our all on the second time exactly. of recording. Well,
1: if anything, it's going to be even better because we've done a practice. Exactly, we we'll we'll have done it a practice run. So, let's
0: get to it. Let's get to it. Dan
1: gave us full permission to mock him there, so we are not being mean. We promise, but. Let's try again I feel we're not We've made it into like Proper podcast territory now I think this is like A bit of a, a rite of passage All the podcasts I listen to This has happened to So I feel you know We're doing this And we won't tell Anne No we, we won't no, no. Things, we are broken things not a bit
0: of it Omerta code on that one But yeah Where are we so- Let's kick it off
1: Right so obviously I was off last week poorly and um, still locked away in isolation but getting much better and it was lovely you got me through of whatever day of Covid I was on but what really cheered me up was hearing you and the lovely Ian chat about everything from Jordan but obviously since then because Prince Charles is a very busy man, Barbados, how was it?
0: you know what it was absolutely glorious um i'm sure people won't be uh too con- too concerned for us and me moaning they were very hard work because <laughs> of the time zone it was it was uh we were very very busy but uh what a what a place i've never been before and um very very privileged to go the Barbadian people are some of the nicest around we were treated so well being there everywhere we went it was a joy to uh, to catch up you know with the with the local people on such a, a historic occasion of course barbados choosing uh, a government that said that they would go they were true to their word and they um they went forward and have made the country a republic so essentially ditched the the queen as head of state after uh, you know 55 years after the country became independent and uh you know severing centuries of, um, of British rule. So a real big, big occasion. But uh, Ian and I are going to give you a little bit of uh, a flavour of what has happened with uh, with Prince Charles over the last few days. And uh, I think we're going to drop that into the show later.
1: Brilliant. Yes, definitely. And also there was a lovely message from the Queen as well, because it's one of those things of, I was thinking, it's like, is this a bit of an awkward day? But I think there, you know, wasn't. And there was a lovely message from the Queen as well. And they shared some photos of her and Prince Philip there on trips. Um, I think her first visit was in... Well, she definitely visited the picture she showed was from uh, 1966. So obviously kind of highlighting yeah. the, the length of time that they've had with that. So very excited. And I think a, a new, new solid pal that you can add to your list, isn't there, Rihanna?
0: Oh, I mean, the Prince of Wales is normally the most famous person in the room. But when, I mean, Barbadian royalty... Was in the in the house with Rihanna when she walked in. There was onto there was sort of a stage where Prince Charles was sitting and then next to all the sort of dignitaries that had gathered for the Republican celebrations. And she's absolutely stole the show and uh, and just sensational. And she she's put. You know, put Barbados on the map. There's plenty of other famous Barbadians, certainly Sir Garfield Sobers as well, is one of their famous sons. Um, but she has really flown the flag for Barbados and she's a global megastar. And uh and I I I didn't get to meet her unfortunately, but I did speak Aww. to some of the traveling party who did and they said she was absolutely delightful. So um a lot of you know super colourful nation. Uh the, the the celebrations were were super cool. But um yeah he's been pretty busy Prince Charles, he probably will probably have a bit of a rest now leading up to christmas (laughs) i think because he's you know he's been he's been right out there it's been a super busy time and uh to do two two big visits like that a week-long tour and then another visit transatlantic i mean he's at 673 so i mean uh, if i if i've been falling asleep on the couch before we came on i think he's (laughs) going to be pretty tired this weekend
1: I was going to say that sounds like you're practicing your line to give to our editor later on as to why you <laughs> need to time off there. Like, but it sounds like a great excuse. Roll with it and see what see what they say. I'm not entirely yeah, sure fine. how it'll go down. But like I said, we will hear all from you and Ian uh, later on in the show. But we wanted because obviously last week's show was all about Prince Charles's tour, and um, so still in the still in the spotlight a bit, a little bit now. So we're going to kick off talking about some of the. Uh, other royals and Prince William to hear what everyone else has been up to in the last couple of uh, weeks, and I think, well, definitely my favourite photos uh, from the last few days come from Prince William's trip to Leeds, where he met met some goats, didn't he?
0: Well, he wasn't just meeting goats, but he was pictured <laughs> with them. I mean, it's extraordinary. I mean, they talk, they said never work with children and animals, and he was working with both of them uh, during the week. Now, the engagement. Hang on, to... before
1: we start here, something you mentioned earlier, which we can't leave out in this one. Not just goats, mini-goats.
0: Mini-goats, indeed. <laughs> mini, uh, not, even a, not just a mini-goat, a mini-goat called Hercules. He must be... He may... Oh, we
1: nearly missed Hercules out of the second recording. <laughs> that would have been disastrous.
0: He may there be small in stature, but he is mighty, <laughs> mighty of name. Now, the reason why... Prince um, Prince William was in Leeds, slightly less glamorous uh, than Barbados, I'm sorry to the people of Yorkshire, but he was meeting um, Afghan refugees and members of a charity called Catch. Of course, the, uh, the charity has been going for quite a while, but, you know, been inundated with, with uh, requests for help after the fall of Kabul in the autumn and, you know, talking to families who has absolutely left... Their country, everything they've ever known, and had to flee, um, free the Taliban as they were taking over. So I I understand Prince William and his team have been speaking to this charity for quite quite a while, but wanted to come to Leeds and to find out what they've been doing over the last few months um, in, in in the work since the the, the fall of Afghanistan. And Speaking to, to the families, how they found the transition from moving uh up in sticks and moving at a moment's notice and then pitching up in the UK and the sort of dual aspect really of what's been going on. So they've got to, you know, I think it was sort of um they, they, they were talking about trying to involve them in the communities and getting the communities to involve them within uh within the local pastimes as well. So really really interesting interesting to see the work that's being done and uh and yeah you are right we should try and find that picture of the of the goat and put it on the uh on the instagram because it's
1: it's (laughs)
0: extraordinary seeing this little goat just walking along one of the playgrounds
1: it was but obviously it's such an important important event and great to hear much so much more about it. I mean, I didn't know too much about this charity before reading up on yesterday's engagements, and it was fascinating to hear so much about it. And also great to see how loads of different organizations and businesses in the area have all come together uh, to help these people out. Um, and another engagement for William this week, which I found particularly moving, was when he met emergency responders, Will and Chloe, um, who shared their experiences, obviously work, emergency frontline responders work in very difficult situations and you know see and hear lots of things and hearing about their how that impacts their mental health uh, which I think is something that's perhaps not given as much attention as it should be so it was really interesting and quite moving to hear William learning more about that
0: yeah i mean it's the uh, the the not so snappy titled royal foundations emergency services mental health symposium i mean i still don't know what a symposium was but you know i'm 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 certainly not mocking it because it's a fantastic initiative and, and i think something that william has spoken uh, of before he's you know he's spoken of uh, his trauma of seeing and witnessing Um, road traffic accidents when he was a a, a pilot in the air ambulance service and especially I think you know he's he's, he's spoken from the heart really when he's saying that um, those instances involving children left him really distressed and how he would deal with that and he didn't necessarily want to take, take the burden home and discuss it with his family and this is something that he's really tried to to champion and so this new program, which is called the Blue Light Together um, campaign, is essentially a mental health package for emergency services workers. So you've got, you know, the police, the fire brigade, the uh, the uh, Gosh, what's the other one? Police Fire Brigade, Ambulance Service ambulance. and, and uh, air, sorry, ambulance. air Ambulance and sort of Coastal Rescue. And so to, to just us having a sort of consistent package of support that people can reach out in their daily jobs, because, you know, these people who work in the frontline emergency services, first responders, are dealing with things every day that we will not deal with in a lifetime. And so the stress and strains of that uh, job uh, can really, really affect their mental health. It can affect the people that they live with, their loved ones, that can see them really struggling at times if they're not being able to talk about it in the workplace. So a fantastic initiative, something that is really um, going to change, you know, hundreds if not thousands of people's lives and their families of uh, of being able to, to to reach out in times of trouble. And and you know, William made a speech at that event uh, and I think it really helps when he speaks personally about events I, th- you know, when he can bring a bit of personality to it if, if you will, it then will enable people to tap in to you know this is something that he knows about this is something that he's not just lent his name to this campaign it's something that he actually cares about and um and I'm and I'm sure that the fact that this has been in the pipeline for so long and it's now been realized is um is is nothing but uh, fantastic for all those people involved.
1: Definitely so two really powerful, really important projects that uh, William has been out and about raising awareness of this week. Um, but on the other side of things, we also had the second part of the princes and the press. Documentary, which is the BBC programme um, that was, there was obviously lots of chat about in the lead up to, there were lots of reports that the palace really weren't happy about the fact they didn't get a preview for it. I know that uh, you and Ian spoke about the first episode last week, uh, the first episode discussing kind of earlier events and the kind of uh, the two princes, earlier relationship with the media that monday's program focused more on more recent events uh, particularly around kind of Meghan markle and uh, kate middleton when they both joined the royal family and the events afterwards and um, as they became obviously the duchess of sussex and the duchess of uh, cambridge what as someone that is very much involved in you know putting together stories about the royal speaking to sources speaking to people at the palace what did you think of the second offering
0: well there had been an awful lot made about um, this program over two parts and we'd had you know headlines screaming that the palace were furious that they were you know, calling the lawyers in that they were going to never speak or deal with the BBC again. Uh, the, the language used was a speak of a tri-household agreement between the three, um, which is you know, Buckingham Palace, the Queen, Prince Charles and Prince William. And so uh, that they, that they was, you know, sweared that they'd all sworn never to work with the BBC again. Um, because they hadn't been given a proper right of reply. Now, I think that this programme didn't land any dents whatsoever. Um, I was quite disappointed at the second version of it, to be honest, because it had been pr- promised much about briefing wars between the two uh, two brothers. Obviously, William and, and Harry, we've spoken extensively. People will, will well know about the fracturedness of uh, their relationship. Um, but it, it just didn't really seem to land any killer blows. There was no smoking gun about how there was briefing wars. There was a there was a bit about Harry and Meghan um, that people who only have a passing interest in the royal family may not have been aware of of when they sort of decided that enough was enough. And I think that the turning point for them was when uh, Meghan was pregnant and then went on to have baby Archie they felt that they weren't willing to sort of tread the path that had been trodden before them, you know, standing on the steps, taking picture of uh, mother and baby that the Cambridges have done before of the steps of the hospital. They didn't necessarily, they didn't want to share the details of the godparents. They didn't want to do a photo call. And then the, you know, the other side of the coin, which was eloquently put um, by some of my colleagues in the, in the program was, well, you know, essentially, if you want to live in a palace, if you want to, you know travel around and living in luxury uh then you've got to try and just be part of the system i think and there are a lot of people who care about these things a lot of people around the world who are um very interested in them and it is it too much to give well they personally thought that it was and they thought that they would be better out of the institution now I think the program, or certainly some of the coverage about the program, had promised to sort of reveal but, yeah, the tawdry aspects of the palaces briefing against each other, and that led to the brothers not trusting each other. And there were people briefing certain chosen journalists about what happened, um, and that just simply isn't the case. Um, uh, and they and they didn't prove it really. The, the journalists have their sources; they have the you know, that that's they they will put those stories to the palaces and um, and there is a degree of relationship as there would be within the political you know, the political lobby journalist would speak to number 10, you'd have the health journalist during COVID speaking to all manager of like SAGE or the Department of Health and of course that happens with, uh, with, the, with the three households as well I think, you know, we were just talking actually you mentioned it in the first recording one of the most interesting aspects was uh, Megan's lawyer, Jenny Affia who came on to, to, for the first time, speak about these bullying allegations which have been labelled against Meghan when, uh, when she was at Kensington Palace and is still being investigated by a third-party law firm Uh, sort of contracted out by Buckingham Palace and then the fact that she said that that there were and I quote massive inaccuracies in the story certainly from the the times led the way on this um about uh about the bullying allegations is uh is quite extraordinary to be honest I'm just going to try and find one of my colleagues tweets on this because Valentine Lowe is the journalist who did the uh did the story and uh he was in the documentary Saying that he had met the people that have claimed that they were subject to bullying from the Duchess of Sussex when they were in uh, when they were in employment at the palace, and he um, he said that they had you know they suffered psychologically from this. So he was in no doubt that they had happened. He knows these people as I, as do as do I, and we've worked together with them. Um, uh, I'm just going to quote from his tweet that he put out yesterday. He said, so Meghan's lawyer, Jenny Effia, said on the BBC that there were massive inaccuracies in my Meghan bullying story. How odd. Perhaps she would care to let me know what they are. And I think that that was possibly with the biggest pitfall of this this um, this BBC programme, because they allowed gave her a platform to say what she said. About the inaccuracies, they, they were talking about the the, uh, the description or the definition of bullying, which I found utterly, utterly bizarre. If you if you are having to describe the definition of bullying to someone, there's obviously a problem somewhere down the line, and you you're trying to sort of split hairs on how. People have been made to feel in their employment now we don't know what is going to happen with uh with that investigation i'm sure we will find out in due course and there will be the appropriate action from bucking palace because that is what they've said that they will do but in terms of the program um not too sure whether it's shone a light on anything we didn't really know but uh that was probably the most interesting aspect of it for, for me i suppose
1: Um, One thing, obviously, for Russell and I, and for Ian as well, who spoke about it last week, we know this world, we're part of it, you know, obviously speaking to sources all the time, both in terms of role, but just generally as journalists. So for us, maybe it wasn't quite as new, perhaps, as it was for people outside of our little media bubble. So we'd love to hear from listeners to find out what you thought of it, um, and if there were any parts that really stuck out for you. Now, we are in December now. So I think I can talk about Christmas without anybody shouting at me. Have you got your decorations up yet, Russell?
0: No, I, I, it's far <laughs> too early. I mean, when do people put the tre- There's talk of people putting trees up in middle of November.
1: Well, I was say, according to my Instagram feed, I think me and you are the only people without really? decks up yet. Yeah, oh Who my done it? gosh,
0: this is crazy. I mean, probably <laughs> probably next weekend. Is that? I mean, are we well behind the the curve the, uh, the here?
1: i think that's normal time but i think everyone's just feeling very festive this year aren't that's they fair um, enough. Listen, I'm i am not. I haven't got up. yeah i think i'm gonna do it's gonna be one of my first jobs when i'm when i'm free from isolation will be to go and get a tree but i don't think i'd have it up anyway yet a bit later on well
0: i'm going soon. to a glotto on saturday with my daughter so i will uh, i'll probably get into the christmas spirit after uh, after the weekend
1: very nice, that'll be very exciting and we look forward to hearing all about that. <laughs> yeah, but my, me, and,
0: me and Christmas cheer don't go hand in hand. But, uh... <laughs> I'm shocked
1: by that, I'm <laughs> absolutely shocked by that. You seem so festive. But one place that is looking a lot more Christmassy than our homes by the sound of it is Windsor Castle as they have put up their Christmas decorations and I don't know you seen the photos yet? I did! They look beautiful.
0: Yeah, 20 foot Christmas tree in St George's Hall which got people talking. They were thinking a lot of chatter on on the on the social media's people saying, "Oh, God, they're, good to, they're definitely going to have Christmas at uh, at Windsor the Queen's having them all to Windsor." But uh, I am afraid to burst that bubble because we revealed during the week that the Queen is well enough. She's told the family she's well enough and they're going to be having Christmas at Sandringham and I've been just sort of talking about this over the last couple of weeks i think but um yeah sources confirmed to me that the queen is definitely feeling much better after her uh her recent uh backseat in proceedings you know she had a, had a bad back she was forced to miss a remembrance service she's um she'd obviously been treated in hospital overnight recently uh but yeah good news for the queen she's feeling a lot better and she's told members of the family i've been mean, there probably that's the that's the hottest ticket in town is not it you don't turn that down <laughs> Queens. there'll be no megan and harry but apart from that i think it's going to be pretty pretty busy this year over sundry and obviously last year everyone was split up because of the covid restrictions but uh this year it's going to be uh pretty jam-packed uh but they've got the space so you
1: know exactly and they always do lots you know this because there's not just the actual christmas day celebrations they always do the christmas lunch as well which is kind of for the the extended family don't they who who don't get to go up to Sandringham what well, I say don't get to perhaps don't want to want to spend it with their other family like you know the Tinders yeah. and everyone like that have we got do we know if that's likely to go ahead yet or are we still waiting to hear on that one still
0: waiting to hear I mean all I was told is that there's, there's it's going to be a big big family affair so you know take from that what you will I think it'd be shocking to you know if people didn't go um, because you know, and the only people I did think that may not be there were probably Eugenie and Jack, because Jack has, you know, sadly lost his father recently. And so that would be um I, they 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 might be sharing Christmas. But um I I I think we'll see an awful lot of people. And there will be return of crowds. Well, we think at the moment, because don't want to put too much doom and gloom on the situation, but the COVID um rhetoric is being, you know sort of heightened here in the UK at the moment. So whether that changes in due course, we don't know. However, we're all hoping for a, a top Christmas and I might even get into the Christmas cheer myself, you know.
1: <laughs> and obviously, because it's going to be, it will be a weird one for the Queen. It'll be probably quite a difficult one, obviously, of her first one without Philip. So it's lovely to hear that she'll hopefully have the whole family and all the kids running around and keeping her nice and busy i'm sure she tries to keep up with
0: yeah i mean yeah.
1: charlotte louis the new babies as well Well, that's all,
0: that's you know that's a tonic isn't it i think that the fact that there she, she has had an extremely tough year losing her husband the those images of her at the funeral are etched in the memory and will be forever more i think and it's a real tonic to be able to have your family around you at, at at times of um Tragedy and distress, and so that's why I think people will rally round. Everyone will accept the invitation, and that they'll all be there for Christmas on uh, at, um, uh, at Sandringham.
1: And we will be speaking lots more about the royals' Christmas plans and traditions over the next few shows. If anyone has any questions about uh, kind of the history side or what the royals do at Christmas, either this year or generally over the year and the, the traditions, uh, do let us know, and we'll do our best to answer those questions. But I think we've put it off long enough now. So go on. I look forward to you and Ian making me very, very jealous hearing about sandy beaches. And so did you get, did you get to sit on the beach at all? Did you get to go in the sea?
0: There's, I I can't comment on these, on these.
1: uh,
0: I I don't know who's listening. No, we didn't. We were working very, very hard. We
1: were very hard on Of course, of course. But yes, so let's, I'm going to hand over to you two to hear everything that you got up to on a a very jam-packed few days, by the sound of it, with definitely no relaxing, definitely no having fun, constant work trip.
0: Hello, everyone. It's Russell here. And uh, I'm with Ian Vogler, our very good friend. And we have just come back on different flights. We weren't traveling together, unfortunately, this time. But we have just arrived back into the uk from sunny barbados and it was a bit of a shock to the system i can tell you and i'm sure there'll be no bleeding hearts out there ian because uh even though we were working very very hard barbados was an absolutely magical place and of course we were there to witness witness history and witness uh, barbados Becoming a republic and um, saying goodbye to the Queen as uh, its head of state, and um, and Prince Charles accepting the royal standard as uh, for the last time, uh, going to the country as a Prince of the Realm and leaving as a as a sort of future head of state. It was all there. There was lots of happening, and um, just uh, give me give me your thoughts. Well, firstly, hello, Ian. How oh, are you feeding off the flight?
2: Well, just, just before anyone gets a wrong idea, we, we travelled separately, not because we're like some sort of royal couple who mustn't travel together, <laughs> but it's just logistical <laughs> reasons because the last thing you get is a picture of the prince getting on the plane. <laughs> so I didn't get on that plane because I wanted to make sure I could send that picture, so I got on a slightly later plane. So, yeah, we're not that precious. You're
0: oh. suffering. You're suffering for your art. That's what. That's what you're saying.
2: You, you, yeah. Yeah. Suffering for my art. Absolutely. Yeah. know, yeah, It was amazing, wasn't it? I've never been to a a handover from a a realm to a presidency. Never been to one of those before, have we?
0: No. I mean, firstly, we've well, never been to Barbados, and I can't wait to go back because the people, first and foremost are just amazing they were everywhere we went we we couldn't have been treated better um the i mean the the, the landscape is just absolutely stunning on the parts of the island that we were fortunate enough to see um one thing that did strike me right and i thought we were going to get there this was a big deal um 55 years since they gained independence the, the you know centuries of british rule um and that they were saying goodbye to I, I really did think we'd see, you know, a big, big carnival atmosphere, um, you yeah, know, dancing the streets, celebrating this momentous occasion. and And it was really a bit flat, really. And maybe that this was because of the coronavirus restrictions, because it did seem everywhere you went, that was weighing quite heavily on people's minds. And the, the, the main ceremony, which was on Monday, 10 o'clock, right the way through to about 1.30 in the morning on Tuesday, so they, essentially they wanted to celebrate it at the stroke of midnight. Um, that ceremony wasn't attended by members of the public. It was about 50 journalists and maybe a couple of hundred dignitaries. And that was because of uh, the COVID restrictions, which seemed pr- pretty sad, to be
2: honest. Yeah, very. It was interesting for us, wasn't it? Been pretty relaxed here in the UK. Luckily, we've been able to relax things. But it's really strict there. Uh, walking, even just walking down the road in the heat. And I know people won't want us to moan about how hot it was, but you've got to wear a mask even though it's really, really hot. They're very strict. Vaccine rollout there is slightly different to our own. But yeah, it was uh, also to confuse things even more. So the ceremony started on Monday night, didn't it? And then at midnight on Tuesday was Independence Day, which is an annual event there because Barbados has been independent since 1977, I think that's right,
0: isn't it? Yeah, it's 55 years. Yeah, you are right, yeah.
2: So there's all of that going on. Like you say, yeah, originally a a couple of people, told I think they were going to have it at the Garrison Savannah Racetrack, which is where they had the 1977. So many thousands of people could have gone, but they wouldn't allow it because of COVID. So we did feel a bit, I don't know, we were kind of guests at this big wedding that we didn't have an awful lot of right to be at, where the average members of the public, we saw a few partying on our way back to the hotel, didn't we? Because that's the other thing. At the moment, Barbados is is curfewed, midnight till about 5am, but they extended it for that one night.
0: Yeah, I, 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 you mentioned the, the race course. What's the, what's the race
2: course called again? I think it's called the Garrison Savannah Racecourse.
0: So I, I walked good. past that because we were staying in a um, uh, certain part of the island, and to get down to one of the sort of vantage points on the, on the sort of southeast of the island, um, you have to, you have to walk past that. And I was going to, I couldn't, basically couldn't sleep. And so I thought I'd, well, I'd go and see the, you know, the sunrise and since and, and check it out before we had our sort of morning meetings together. And, uh, I, I came across this, this race course. And I thought, well, wow, what a fantastic place this would have been to have it. And, then when looking about the, the you know the Independence Day celebrations and the fact that they had planned to have it there, I, I just yeah, it was heavy on the heart really because I think some of the people would have really loved to have um to be able to join in the festivities. But on the flip side, I think you know we tried to speak to as many people as possible. And I, I thought that there would be lots of people sort of saying this was a you know a fantastic watershed moment in the country's history that it was great that they were doing away with these you know centuries of colonial rule but honestly i i think you'd be really hard pushed to find people who were really really passionate about uh, or, or overly passionate about this um this big change in fortunes of course there were, um, there were some protests planned, and the protests revolved around not only Prince Charles being in the country, but the, the wider issue of um, uh, campaigning for reparations from the UK government and the British monarchy because of their role in uh, the transatlantic slave trade. Interestingly, those protests were canceled just before, uh, yeah, sort of hours before the ceremony. Um, and most Barbadians really weren't that fussed. They were saying, well, listen, my life isn't going to change day to day. I don't really see the issue. Um, and so, yeah, that, that was a big surprise. But I think moving forward, um, part of the ceremony, lots of fantastic uh, artists, lots of poets speaking, um, musical artists playing, I think they'd practice for months and months to be able to put on a fantastic show. And we were certainly treated. Um, What was your favorite part of the, because I mean, you had a great vantage point being able to Mm. photograph it all. What was your favorite
2: part, do you think? I think some of those bands at the beginning, I don't know if they're international artists or not because we didn't actually get a program for that. They were amazing. they were the kind of bands that would, you know, sell a big venue in in England, no doubt about it. So we got to see them, uh, the dancing, Was incredible. I had a sneak Mm -hmm. preview, didn't I? The day before, I was watching a. Now, I've got to get this right because someone told me it's not called steel drum. I think it might be called a. They have a slightly different phrase for it in Barbados, but you know the kind of thing I mean. I saw that being rehearsed, and that was all fantastic. So, yeah, we got to see all of that. I mean, don't forget as well, apart from you being there, you're quite well-known and the (laughs) Prince of Wales, the Prime Minister of Barbados, the current first president. There was also quite a well-known pop star there, wasn't there? there was
0: indeed I mean and people were looking there was a few rumors there was we, we didn't really know whether this was going to happen and then there were a few rumors sort of filtering down throughout the day but uh, you know everybody I think everybody who's anybody will know who Rihanna is and Barbados is Favourite daughter, it would seem, at the moment. And uh and suddenly she appeared without fanfare, she just appeared on the stage looking absolutely sensational. And part of the wider issue of why she was uh invited to attend, I mean, such a momentous day in the history of her uh her birthplace was because she was made a national hero of Barbados, And I think she's done an awful lot. I think the, the Prime Minister said at the time she's done an awful lot to, to put her country of birth on the global map and uh, and a fantastic honour that she she received over the last couple of days and she'd uh, attended a couple of events. But for, from a picture point of view, I mean, no doubt, you know, Prince, Prince of Wales was uh, was looking very fine in his uh, three-piece suit, or his tailored suit, but uh, to be able to photograph Rihanna must have been quite a treat.
2: Yeah, it certainly added some uh, some colour to that. They, uh, she's so popular. People love to see pictures of her, like you say, and uh, that brightened it up. There was, of course, I don't know who got the bigger fanfare from the crowd. Was it her or was it Gary Sobers? Barbados is probably most famous person, controversial between the two, but he was also there. He got a massive round of applause, didn't he, from the... From the crowd,
0: yeah, he did. It was. I mean, a- again, this this kind this kind of event. We we, we were front front row. It was a pr- real privilege to be there. Some of the artists. Um, we must try and. Find, I was quite shocked we didn't get get a program, but I'm sure there will be. Um, sort of, we'll be able to find out who the artists were, and I and I'll, I'll I'll try and post some of the things on the pod, Instagram. To be honest, because a real I mean, we were there for four hours. It was it was it was quite a long ceremony and even speaking to, to, to some of the dignitaries I've been pra- practicing for months and months and months but listen what one of the main points I think which is um is worth discussing is uh you know fair play to Prince Charles for for, for him accepting the invitation because some of the language in the poetry was really quite stirring that um bef- even before he came and and while he was there talking about colonial rule then breaking down the barriers for uh Barbadians in the in the future and uh and for him to accept that invitation uh and then witness you know the taking down of the royal standard the raising of the Barbadian flag the playing of the national anthem and then the new anthem of Barbados it must have been quite um quite stirring for him and uh and what does it mean for the monarchy i suppose there are, there are obviously questions going to be answered asked in the in the next few months because there's another 15 realms that uh, that still have the the queen as her, their head of state and um and who will be the next potentially to make such a leap of faith as be, becoming a republic certainly the australians have had those conversations and um you know we might be finding our way over to jamaica in the next few Months or even a couple of years, if if um if, if if the
2: government of the day has its way. Yeah, did you see? Remember, right at the very end, there was a. I don't know if you can call it a power play, but it was how it was because by the end of the night, Prince Charles and you know the monarchy were had separated themselves, or Barbados had separated itself from the monarchy. So normally at these events, the, uh, the Prince Charles, if it's a Prince Charles event, if he's the royal there, he'd leave first. He's the most senior person, but he was basically left standing while the president got into her car and left him standing uneasily. You know, for what about thirty seconds? You notice that it was different. It was yeah. interesting.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, and this, these sort of optics are really what matters, to be honest. And I think. So Prince you know so Prince Charles accepting the invitation arriving as a pretty just at the arrival I thought and then his departure was really interesting because the both national anthems were played when he arrived and when he departed just the uh, national anthem of uh, of of Barbados playing and then of course him except he was made he was given the freedom of Barbados and this award is uh, for extraordinary service to the country um, obviously he, he spoke, he made a speech, which I'll come to in a second, but he made a speech sort of talking about how he wanted to reaffirm the friendship that he'd have, had with the island since he visited first, I think 50 years ago. Um, and of course, his time in the, in the Royal Navy. Now, to accept that honour, he was he was accepting it as a as a as a head of a sort of de facto head of state, if you will, because I know he's he's representing the Queen. But the other major major issue is um, is Charles you know, didn't just think that this was an opportunity to represent the Queen and to say that yes, our two nations are joined together throughout our history and our friendship, but he he wanted to use the opportunity to acknowledge. Um, as he puts it the appalling atrocity of the transatlantic slave trade and in doing so he became the first member of the royal family to acknowledge slavery in the Caribbean um, he called it the darkest days of our past um, and said you know went on to say that he'd been deeply touched to being invited and I thought that to be able to stand up and make that speech is very, it was a very stirring speech. And I think that the people gathered and know that the people who've been watching that on television or, or will have seen the coverage of his speech will have appreciated that immeasurably.
2: Yeah, I think there was uh, a lot of appreciation for what he did. I mean, people I spoke to on these kinds of assignments, the, um, you, the local taxi driver is a very, very good measure of things, I always find. And the cab driver I was spent some time with, a chap called Andy. He said he had he was disappointed that this was all happening. He felt that it should stay as it was with the Queen as the head of state. And as he put it to me, it's like we're losing our big brother. You know, who's going to come take care of us if anything would were, were to happen to our small country? It was how he put it. Yeah, it's interesting. I, it wasn't an age divide either, that young people didn't want one thing and old people. Didn't want another. It's just a lot of people felt it shouldn't have happened, but then I guess other people felt the other way. Now, if I'm right, which I'm not often, I don't think there was a referendum because the current governing party have got all the seats if they're if, if was paying attention.
0: But no, no, you are right, and I think that's really interesting. So uh, again, um, the government of the day is sort of a liberal-leaning uh, Labour Party government. They won twenty-nine seats out of the uh, twenty-nine out of the thirty seats in the recent election, and it was part of their manifesto to say that they would bring in a republic as soon as possible. Now. I, again i will confess i don't know the exact reason for this but the other 15 realms that are left have to have a referendum if they now want to become a republic so that will be very very interesting because i know that the government in um in jamaica has been making noises certainly the opposition have said that they would support such a move but would it get through um a referendum now I had presumed, and I think quite wrongly in terms of being uh, you know, the, the majority decision, because it, 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 on the one hand, you can say, well, the people of Barbados did vote for this because they voted for that government to come in, and what was part of their manifesto. That's what they said they would do, and they've done it. I mean, a politician sticking to their word is quite extraordinary in the first place, but the, perhaps they should have opened it. more to you know a yes no vote will that happen in jamaica would it happen in australia i mean you know we often get some lots of messages from our australian cousins on on the on this um, show and i'd love to hear because i think that question of republicanism has been asked several times or certainly been muted um and it will be very very interesting to see whether that is brought up again after we have sort of a, you know, a different a different um, era after the Queen has gone. I'm sure it will be, but uh, will the decision be different? I'm, I'm not too sure.
2: Yeah, Australia, I'm just checking. I think Australia last had a referendum in 1999. But, you know, let's hope that things stay as they are. We can't be dashing around all these countries now, can we, dragging the Prince of Wales with us? Because it sounds too much like hard work. But all in all, met some fantastic people saw an amazing ceremony there were a couple of events after that small visits yesterday we went to the national archives where prince charles was shown a lot of documentation to do with slavery and uh shown a picture of himself which amused him and uh then he spent some time with the prince's trust didn't he
0: yeah, he did. And th- Again, packed a lot into the, to the couple of days. Um, it were A bit of a whirlwind visit, not really at all. I mean, I would have loved to have obviously stayed and experienced some of the country um, and their well-known pr- pr- rum production. I'm sure we would have uh, had a great time doing that. However, doing a Prince's Trust event, um, being able to get out. And I, I think yeah, overall reaffirming, I know he said this in his speech, but that was part of... The visit, really, reaffirming the relationship, reaffirming the, the the notion of friendship. And was, uh, the, the Queen said that in her message. She wrote a message to the people of Barbados, which was passed on just before the ceremony. I'll just quote you a little bit of it before we go. But she said, referencing her first visit to which she called Your Beautiful Country on the eve of the independence in early 1966, she said uh, that the people of Barbados had a special place in her heart and added... It is a country rightfully proud of its vibrant culture, its sporting prowess and natural beauty. It attracts visitors from all over the world, including many people from the United Kingdom. It's a great source of satisfaction that the Barbados Remains an active participant within the Commonwealth, and I look forward to the continuation of the friendship between our two countries and peoples. And you know what? I hope it continues because um, perhaps there'll be a, an opportunity for us to go there again with Workwise. But if it isn't, then uh, then hopefully we'll get to go over there um, in our in our uh, in our downtime. <laughs>
1: fantastic right it was lovely to hear from you both on that and yeah when I thought I couldn't be any more jealous looking at the photos <laughs> hearing about it I now am it sounds like you had a great time and and yeah, yeah. So it was very it was, quickly it was, best bit
0: it was uh my best bit meet just meeting the people um I think you know touched upon it there that i I thought it would be more of a it's a double-edged thing really i thought it'd be more of a carnival atmosphere there was there was certainly um people were some people excited some people a bit ambivalent there's covid's been taken really really seriously there at the moment but my favorite part was just meeting the people of that beautiful island and uh and and the, the, the just the the hospitality aspect of it really
1: Brilliant. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Russell, and thank you to Ian as well. I hope you both uh, get a bit of sleep and manage to catch up and spend more than a couple of days at home which i think will be lovely uh, thank you so much to all our listeners for tuning in this week and uh, thank you very much for dan for letting us have double the podcast time this week which is you know exactly <laughs> which was great fun um, it was lovely catching up as always and um, follow us on instagram and on twitter at pod save and until next time
2: pod save the queen
0: I feel that was a suitable amount of mocking for my mistake. Well done.